one hesitates to say anything after the reading of the Passion. There just aren't really any words to speak. The profound silence following Jesus' last breath is surely our most articulate response. And it would be still, except that the story goes on. It continues in the confusion that ensues, the fear that drives the disciples into hiding, the sorrow that leaves his closest companions broken, the disappointment that all that had been hoped for had come to a singular tragic end. This past week, I enjoyed an evening with a wonderful group of about, I don't know, 12 or 15 of the young adults in our parish. We had a really amazing conversation about how we are to think of God, especially in light of the terrible things that happen in the world. <clears throat> Many of the traditional formulations just don't seem to make sense. Like the idea, for example, that God can be both all-powerful and all-loving at the same time. If God is all-powerful and infinitely loving, then how is it that terrible tragedies happen? Couldn't God do something about that? And how could it possibly be loving not to, if God could? Examples of natural disasters came to mind. Tsunamis, where thousands die, or earthquakes, floods, and fires. Is God really in control of all these things? And then the cruelties that human beings visit upon one another. Racial injustices, the Holocaust, or a genocide in Rwanda or South Sudan. Where is God in that? We realized how inadequate much of our traditional language about God is in helping us to make sense of it all. So perhaps it is appropriate that in the silence we actually begin to catch a glimpse of the truth. In the story of Jesus' passion, we just heard, based on the Gospel of Luke, Jesus' final words on the cross were, Father, into your hands I give up my spirit. And then it says, having said this, he breathed his last. In the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, we hear somewhat more dramatically Jesus crying out and saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there, brothers and sisters, is the picture of God for the Christian. <clears throat> there is the picture of God for the Christian. The crucified God. The God who, for the sake of love, lays aside all power, all control, all prerogatives and privileges. And who, three days later, is raised from the dead, shining a bright light on the injustices of this world, and unmasking the lie that might makes right. It's a picture of the God who joins us in our suffering, a God who knows our pain, a God who goes into the dark places with us. It is the God whose very essence is love and for whom there is nothing greater than self-offering love. But. We seem hopelessly addicted to power or to the idea of power and control. 
And we see it in some of its ugliest forms in our society, and particularly in our political life at this time. I don't often read or quote from bishops' pronouncements, but the recent meeting of our House of Bishops for the Episcopal Church put out a word to the Church this past week, and it seems appropriate to share it with you today. It is titled simply, A Word to the Church for Holy Week 2016. It begins, we reject the idolatrous notion that we can ensure the safety of some by sacrificing the hopes of others. On Good Friday, the ruling political forces of the day tortured and executed an innocent man. They sacrificed the weak and the blameless to protect their own status and power. On the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead, revealing not only their injustice, but also unmasking the lie that might makes right. In a country still living under the shadow of the lynching tree, we are troubled by the violent forces being released by this season's political rhetoric. Americans are turning against their neighbors, particularly those on the margins of society. They seek to secure their own safety and security at the expense of others. There is legitimate reason to fear where this rhetoric and the actions arising from it might take us. In this moment, we resemble God's children wandering in the wilderness. We, like they, are struggling to find our way. They turned from following God and worshipped a golden calf constructed from their own wealth. The current rhetoric is leading us to construct a modern false idol out of power and privilege. We reject the idolatrous notion that we can ensure the safety of some by sacrificing the hopes of others. No matter where we fall on the political spectrum, we must respect the dignity of every human being, and we must seek the common good above all else. We call for prayer for our country, that a spirit of reconciliation will prevail, and we will not betray our true selves. Signed from the Episcopal Church House of Bishops meeting, March 11 to 15 in Texas. St. Paul's epistle to the Philippians, which we heard a few minutes ago, says so very plainly who the God is that we are to worship and what that has to do with power. Paul said, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. <coughs> 
On this Passion Sunday, we are left with the cross and the tomb, and we are left to sit in silence. And in that silence, may we encounter the God whose love knows no bounds, whose power is manifest in humility, and who invites us to let go our fears and to join in the revolution of transforming love that bids us all now.